Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Soleil Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Attention, please. And now... It's Cutter's Rockcast. You know, doing the uh, doing my podcast, Cutter's Rockcast, we lo- we talk to a lot of modern musicians, but every so often we get to dig back in history, which I personally love because I love the history of rock and roll music. And uh, sometimes we get a legend, and I I, ha- I just had one of those pinch myself moments a little bit ago <laughs> when I realized I was going to talk to Edgar Winter. Edgar Winter is here. How are you, my friend? Ah. I'm ready to rock and roll. <laughs> That's good. There you go. You know, grow, love. growing up, I always felt a little bit of a, of, a, of a kingship with you because when I was coming up and, and decided to do music and get into radio, I was a guitar player and I was being taught how to play guitar by two different jazz musicians. But I wanted to play punk rock and heavy metal music really bad. Um, 80s, 90s, that was my thing, you know? And uh, but I always loved jazz and blues, and it felt like you and your brother Johnny, your music. And I, I, I don't know, somebody gave me a Johnny Winter record once, and I just kind of fell in love with it. But um, had that sort of hey, here's here's some blues, here's some jazz influence stuff, but but oh, it's gonna rock too. So it's it, it's pretty cool that all these years later, you know, you know, here you are. Obviously, we lost Johnny a few years ago, but but uh, but here you are still doing it. And this brother Johnny record is cool. It sounds amazing. Well, thank you. I'm sure Ross Hogarth, the engineer and mixer, will also thank you. But, uh, you know, it was just, uh, you know, I could talk about it for hours and it's difficult to even know where to start. But uh, I'd like to begin uh, thanking my wife, Mm -hmm. my lovely wife, Monique, to whom I've been Happily and blissfully married now for 43 years. Oh, that's amazing. Congratulations. Rock and rollers and in California, no less. Right. But, uh, you know, I was undecided about making this record in the very beginning. First of all, uh, it was such a shock when Johnny passed away. Mm -hmm. We had a tour uh, already booked that we were going to play with our respective bands. And uh, I was just devastated. And shortly after that, I started to, there was a lot of interest and I started to get uh, offers from various record companies. And they just felt like deal offers to me. They'd ask questions like, how long is it going to take? And what guest artists can you guarantee and Mm. you know i said well i don't know i you know i'm not even certain that i want to do this and i i definitely don't have uh, a blueprint in my head as to how that would even come about but it just felt like business people uh sensing of an opportunity and it was just more exploitation of Johnny's name and memory to sell a few records, which was not something that I had any interest in or wanted to be a part of. Plus the fact that, as I said, I was just devastated and not emotionally equipped or ready to even think about uh, 
making an album. So that like, convers- yeah. so that conversation happened like I mean right after his death or within a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like within uh within say a couple of months. Jeez, let a guy uh, let a guy mourn a little. Yeah, that's that that's what you think, but uh as years passed I I came around to realizing that it was really Johnny's true loyal and devoted fans that wanted to see this happen and it and it just it got to feel like the universe was crying out for this record and the reason that i want to thank my wife monique is that uh i uh sometimes trust her intuition more than my analytical thinking about what i should do next and Mm -hmm. when i asked her she was very definite she said well, of course. He said, you always talk about how Johnny is your all-time musical hero and you wouldn't be where you are today were it not for him. And this is the perfect opportunity for you to demonstrate and acknowledge that. And you owe you owe it to yourself, to Johnny, and to the world to do this record. And she couldn't have been more right, you know, in... Uh, every respect with regard to that and the the thing about like i had to uh, have monique's support and encouragement and inspiration otherwise this record just i never would have undertaken it because i i knew it was going to be uh emotionally like if not difficult it was just going to be highly emotional Mm -hmm. it was going to uh bring up all these childhood memories. And I also knew that it was going to take a long time. And I uh, I finally decided to make the record after meeting Bruce Quarto, who is the president of Quarto Valley Records. And Bruce wanted to do the record for all the right reasons. He loved Johnny's music. He was uh, you know, really familiar with it. And he wanted to bring that to the world. And he said, I don't care how long it takes or how you want to make it. Uh, I leave all of that up to you. Uh, and, you know, when I heard that, I said, okay, this this is starting to make sense. So and so when did, the, when did the plan kind of start coming together? Uh, when did that happen? I mean, we were talking a few years after. Like, are we talking 18, 19? Well, like, when are four we? years. Okay. Yeah, you know, about four years after Johnny's passing. Uh, I first enlisted the help of uh, my dear friend, Ross Hogarth, who uh, I worked with on my last album, Rebel Road, and uh, he just saved that project at the end. He uh, was not the engineer, but came in to mix that record. And he did such a great job uh, that I said, I'm never going to work with another mixer uh, for the rest of my life. Uh, he was just uh, was we just had an immediate kinship uh, in terms of the feeling for music. Uh, and I just couldn't uh, this would not have been the record it is without Ross. Uh, and Ross started out just as I wanted him to mix the record. And I asked if he would do that. And he said, yeah, but I want to engineer it if I'm going to mix it. 
I want to be the person who has recorded it instead of finding all kinds of problems that I'm going to have to try to correct in the mix. Makes sense. And and he brought, uh, first of all, he had so many great ideas with regard to the material, and he suggested so many artists that I never would have thought of just for example, he suggested John McPhee to do uh, of the Doobie Brothers to do right. the slide on Highway 61. And I had forgotten about all that great slide work on the early Doobies records. That was a great call. Uh, Phil X, uh, who is uh, with my Bon Jovi, you know, he replaced uh, Richie Zamora. Yeah. Mad, just a madman on the guitars. Canadian. That dude can play. That dude can play. A guy that I wasn't that familiar with. He's a great singer, too. So uh, we got him like doing uh, a lot of background vocal as well. Doyle Bramhall Jr., who I knew of as playing with Eric Clapton, being Eric's uh, second second guitarist. But I had no idea that he was such a great acoustic uh, slide player and was really, really understood that uh, traditional, authentic Delta blues, which is, was one of the things that Johnny was so amazing at. Yeah. I think that that that's one of the things that really separated Johnny from a lot of guitar players with that uh, that knowledge and ability to play that. Dude, that slide and, guitar uh, is on that slide guitar is underrated though. I uh I, I played a, a bar gig the other night and I pulled out somebody's beer bottle and started doing it and I forgot that <laughs> that you know people get so amazed by it, but I'm like, Oh man, this really sounds cool. I really need to get a new slide. So it's funny you brought that up. But uh -huh. it is, man. That's a talent that uh that that's really has gone away from the world yeah it is a dying art and uh very few people black or white uh really mm -hmm. uh, get into it and as i said i think that's uh that's let's see uh also uh david grissom uh who is a guy i didn't even know of uh and he's a fellow texan and ross had told me from the very beginning he said any of these songs we're talking about, if you got David, he would do it with the feel and the authenticity that you'd want to hear. And I mean, he was right, totally right about that. And David played all of the, he played the whole body of I'm Yours and I'm Hers that, of course, has Billy Gibbons and Derek Trucks on it. Mm -hmm. But uh, he played, he played all of, throughout that song. And then he uh, he did all the guitar work on Johnny B. Good, uh, which I had originally uh, thought I would get Joe Walsh to play. And uh, I got Joe to sing it. I was able to talk <laughs> him into that. I was able to get that far. But he, uh, you know, uh, I always think of, of uh, like Joe and I go way back to when he was in the James Gang. Sure. And we played a bunch of shows together. And. I really think of Joe as a rocker. So I didn't, uh, uh, I asked everybody what song they would like to do. I had a long song list and I didn't want anybody on the record to do anything that they didn't feel passionately about playing and that they didn't feel a personal connection with. So uh, when I asked 
Joe, I said, well, what do you think about Johnny B. Good? I thought he'd pick something like that or maybe uh, uh, Jumping Jack Flash. Uh, and uh, we started listening to tracks and he picked the song Stranger, which is a beautiful ballad, very yeah. uncharacteristic of anything that uh, Johnny would normally write. And uh, it has a, a beautiful sensitivity and vulnerability that Johnny doesn't usually uh, display. So anyway, I well, said, well, well, on Stranger, because you just brought up Stranger, you have, I mean, Joe Walsh, but Ringo Starr as well. Like this, that's like the ultimate super group of ever. <laughs> in Michael yeah. McDonald. Yeah. Well, that's how, there's a perfect example of how this album came together, which uh, is really a lot of, uh, it was just an organic, it really took on a life of its own. Uh, and there was nothing planned out about it. When, like, Joe finally agreed to sing Johnny Be Good, so I went over to his place. He's got a beautiful studio, and we went our arms around, go, go, Johnny, go! And we were, like, just <laughs> singing, and then he, I got him to sing the second verse. And then when he agreed to do Stranger... Uh, I was so surprised and he put this beautiful solo on and and I had been thinking about Ringo Starr and I just thought if there's any way I could get Ringo to play on one of these tracks first of all what would it be and uh, I don't think he plays on that many people's songs so no. I really I didn't expect him to do it but I don't know if you're aware of this, but Ringo is married to the lovely Barbara Bach. Yes. Uh, and Barbara's sister, Marjorie, I love this. is married to Joe Walsh, making them brothers-in-law. My co-host my co-host on my morning show, The Rick and Cutter Show, and I were just talking about this like two weeks uh, ago. Because we, we found, I don't know, we found a picture of, of the four of them together, and it's like, wow. Yeah. I mean, you know, you uh, know it exists, but you see a picture of the four of them, it's like, okay, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so i thought well if i got joe on here sure. maybe that would be the inducement would help me talk ringo into it so i thought about it and agonized over it for weeks finally i got the nerve to pick up the phone and you know i told him about the whole project and you know he said edgar i'll do it for you and it just touched my heart it that's was just, awesome it, uh, you know, uh, so after that had happened, uh, my wife Monique and I were just sitting around listening to some of the tracks, and I had a scratch vocal on there, which which was good. You know, it sounded a lot like Johnny, uh, which I don't try to do, but I really can't help sounding like Johnny. We're brothers, and we just when I when I do my gravelly voice, it just sounds a whole lot like him uh but anyway we were listening to the song and out of the blue monique said you know michael mcdonald's voice would sound great on here and it's, as soon as she said it i just could hear it like yeah hello pretty stranger you know that haunting right. nobody sounds like michael he's just instantaneously recognizable and so i didn't uh like uh, we had, Michael and I were good friends and worked together 
back in the mid 80s. Uh, and that's with another just uh, a time in my life that I'll always remember. Uh, I just got a call out of the blue from Michael and I didn't even know he knew who I was or anything about my music and invited me to play on his first solo album and be part of the first solo band after the Doobies. And it was a great band with Robin Ford on guitar, Willie Weeks on bass. Uh, and I thought he had moved to uh, Hawaii, so I thought he was still in Maui. But Ross knew exactly where he was. He was back in Santa Barbara. And, uh, and it was just such a great feeling having Michael on this because I had played on his early first record and it just felt like full circle yeah, you know, you know he's he's on on something of mine and you're absolutely right when you look at that like michael mcdonald joe walsh and ringo Starr. it's just such an interesting array of people that you probably wouldn't even expect to be on the same album, much less the same song. Right. Oh, that's <laughs> amazing. So, okay, you ha- there's 16 songs in the album, Brother Johnny, but um, what was? how did you come up with the actual list of songs that you want? Like, before you ever even talk to a guest, before you yeah. talk to any friends, like, how did you know what songs you wanted to do? I, I can't imagine that was an easy process to go through. It wasn't really, it wasn't really difficult. Uh, okay. Well, first of all, welcome to Winterland here. This is, yeah. uh, this is, uh, well, this is uh, where Brother Johnny, I'll say it, it's a, a horrible, it's the womb in which Brother Johnny was conceived. <laughs> <laughs> and here's my trusty vocal mic. I sang every word of the uh, album on on that and yeah. played the original piano parts uh, here. But there were certain songs that I just knew had to be on, like uh, Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo, Still Alive and Well. Those were the, you know, I said, well, those are obvious things that, that have to be there. Then there were all of these... Well, and just uh, be, well, you just mentioned those too. I mean, those were obviously Rick Derringer songs. Your brother Johnny was playing with that or playing with Rick. Um, and rock and roll hoochie coo is still a staple. I mean, on every, yeah, on every classic rock, ri- classic hits radio station that exists in the world. Um, but yeah, but Johnny was, uh, of course, played on those songs originally. Yeah, and uh, then there were all of these songs that uh, cover songs, songs that Johnny had become really closely identified with, like. Uh, uh, Highway 61 mm-hmm. was really like a slide vehicle and Jumpin' Jack Flash. Like Johnny loved the Stones uh, just because of their bluesiness. And, and sure. he loved Dylan, that whole mystique. Uh, and those had to be there. Then there were songs that, uh, like the early songs that Johnny wrote, like Mean Town Blues and I'm Yours and I'm Hers that uh, really exemplify Johnny's style. And and I think uh, one of his major contributions that he doesn't receive enough credit for, which is the fusion of blues and rock. And the reason I say that is because there, 
there are, there are hundreds of great electric blues guitarists, uh, but uh, like you take somebody like uh, Stevie Ray, most of the people that are blues rockers, it's more contemporary blues. And Johnny's fusion, like I, I remember the first time I heard Mean Town, I said, wow, it sounds like, it sounds like an old, uh, like one of those old traditional Delta, uh, uh, like one of those acoustic riffs, like a John Lee Hooker. But it's got this electric, high intensity, uh, you know, electric rock drive. How did he do that? Crank yeah, the gain up. And yeah, <laughs> so uh, that's uh, that fusion of of early like using those old authentic. Uh, blues riffs and in uh, you know putting them into a rock context so i said those ha those songs have to be there and uh uh then uh the first question in my mind with regard to the material was do i want this to be just a straight ahead blues record uh you know paying tribute to the great legacy that johnny left the world or should it be more of a personal tribute from me to my brother based on uh, my own particular favorites and songs that, uh, that I love, songs like Stranger and Self-Destructive Blues that are sort of more obscure Johnny songs that, uh, that you might not necessarily expect to be on. And I just felt like it should be a balance of both which is what I tried to do. And, you know, I like, I don't think if I had done just a straight ahead blues record, like, uh, uh, I'm not really particularly a fan of tribute albums in general, because like, I feel like, uh, a, a lot of times they're just sort of sound alike albums or copy albums. And, well, here's, like, yeah, I, here's a bunch like, of big name bands or artists <laughs> covering this other big band with some songs you know, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's how it's they like are. it's They're like I love Ray Charles, but if if I want to hear Ray Charles, I'll listen to uh, Ray. I'll and you know why would I want to hear a bunch of people trying to sound like him? Well, uh, I think there's a you know, there's a couple cover records out there that exist, tribute albums that exist that are really good and really well done, but it's the ones that have something different to offer. You know, even in my own mind, thinking back to like the Black Sabbath tribute record that came out in the mid 90s, it was all these bands from that era doing something different to the songs, you know, doing it in their own yeah. ways. And I think that's why that worked. And then you have something like a, the, there was a Zeppelin tribute record that I know came out when I was younger that didn't have that same vibe to it because it was just those bands doing the Zeppelin songs the way Zeppelin did them. Not that it's easy to change Zeppelin because it's not. But still, mm -hmm. um, I think that's that's what you get. And yeah, in hearing all these people do these songs, it's it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. Well, listen. it's a, it's an incredible. Yeah, journey. my point my point is when you Sorry. were asking about the material <laughs> was just that uh, uh, there were certain like. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All of these songs that I loved and felt like, uh, you know, had to be on and uh, and there are many, many more songs. There are 17 songs on there, but I, you know, these are the ones that I felt, uh, and it's also a combination of uh, the songs that the artists chose. Like, when I went to uh, uh, Joe Bonamassa, and we were going over a song list, and and when I got to Self-Destructive Blues, he said, Oh wow, you're really gonna do self-destructive? That's the first Johnny Winter song I ever learned, and I played that with my band. He was just flipping out. He got so excited. That's awesome. It wasn't a song that he thought would have ended up on there. And so he came in like with a firebird and an old basement amp, like the same rig Johnny would have used. And man, when I I like I've said, like, I didn't ask anybody to try to play like or sound like Johnny. My idea in doing the record was to not just get the usual suspects, but get an interesting array, uh, like a cast of characters, and get all great artists and have them do their take on Johnny's music to let them try to choose a song and a song that they had some personal connection with and a passion for and do it, you know, in whatever way that their heart would dictate. And, and that's like, I really feel like uh, there was such an outpouring of love and respect for Johnny and there's such heartfelt uh, guest performances. And I, you know, the album wouldn't be what it is without them. And I've already mentioned Ross. Uh, another thing Ross did is like when we were, you know, toward the end of the project and he said, you know, we don't have any muddy on here. And I said, oh, wow, you're right. How could I have not realized, uh, not thought of that? Because Johnny just, he loved, he idolized Muddy was, and, and I think high point of his career was getting to meet Muddy, play with him and oh, uh, and produce uh, Hard Again and, you know, the albums that they did together. And I said, yeah, you're right. We absolutely have to have uh, something. And then I thought like Hard Again, Manish Boy is, is the killer track on there. But there's no way you're going to touch that. And I thought, well, Muddy, his anthem is mojo working. And I said, that's the song. 
And that's a song that Johnny and I played together as kids. And that's a case like with like this music. This is a, the music that that I grew up on. It's like Johnny and I were inseparable as, as kids. We started out playing ukulele, singing Everly Brothers songs. And then Johnny graduated to guitar. And it became evident that, I mean, he just took to that. That was his act. And so I just said, well, I'll play everything else. So, <laughs> you know, I switched to bass for a while and then I played drums and keyboards and then got into sax, got into jazz and uh, I played a little trumpet, trombone, uh, clarinet, flute. I just wanted to familiarize myself with all the instruments. But anyway... You know, that uh, uh, when after we figured that we were going to do Mojo, then it was like, well, he's going to he's going to do that. And uh, the president of, of the record company, Bruce Corto, mm-hmm. came up with the idea of Bobby Rush. And and also uh, Ross knew Bobby. And I said, oh, yeah, he. Like I always thought of him as one of these Chicago guys, like uh, with, along with Muddy and Little Walter and Willie Dixon and uh, uh, Buddy Guy. Uh, I didn't realize that he's from Louisiana, uh, which is my old stomping ground. Uh, growing up in Texas, it's right next to Louisiana. I probably played more in Louisiana than I did in Texas. Same thing with Kenny Wayne Shepherd. I didn't know Kenny was from Louisiana. Oh yeah, and and uh, I said, "Oh, no wonder I love his playing so much." Uh, <laughs> from my same neck of the woods. So all of these things, like then when Bobby Rush came in, like he started. I didn't know that he and Johnny were really close. He started telling me all these stories about festivals that they'd played together, and he was the guy who introduced Johnny. To Muddy when Johnny went up to Chicago. No kidding. And I had like, wow, you know, uh, and man, he, you know, he got like the, the old bullet mic and the, you know, the little amp, you know, to, to store it and got it. Man, when he started doing Mojo, like, I, I just couldn't believe it. He's like in his mid 80s and he sounds like a, a blues guy, like in his prime. And he just killed it. And, oh, and, once you got uh, it, though, you got it. What about those? And, and I got to mention this because, and, and I'd be missed if I didn't. Uh, Taylor Hawkins is on this record, um, and of course, we just lost him uh, recently. Um, yes, on the song "Guess It'll Go Away." Uh, him and Doug Rappaport do that song. Talk to me about that particular song and getting those guys to do it. Well, once again, uh, this was Ross's suggestion. Okay, uh, and. Uh, how it came about was, first of all, the song, Guess I'll Go Away, uh, it's sort of a cautionary, it's, uh, well, I guess you'd say the lure of sex, danger of drugs, and love of rock and roll, uh, but it's sort of a sex, drugs, rock and roll song, but Johnny wrote it uh, just as he was going away to rehab you know, uh-huh. for, the, for the first time. And uh, a lot of Johnny's songs sound like, they just sound like a relationship, a girl uh, song. Uh, uh, but 
in a lot of cases they aren't there's a sub uh, subtext be- behind them that's the but, way the blues that's the way the blues was i mean it sounded yeah. like baby don't leave me but really we're talking about a protest song about a worker strike you know it it's, it's exactly it's crazy that, how that, that kind of thing throughout like or i'm yours and i'm hers and like uh now we're 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 getting off the subject okay, we're sorry, talking about. Let's, because I'll do that. You you have to rein me too. in because <laughs> uh, uh, I get far afield here. But uh, we're talking. Uh, what what were we talking about? <laughs> the song oh, about, about Taylor. Taylor about Hawkins Taylor. and yeah. So okay. So I feel like that uh, to me is another unusual song for Johnny. Uh, like most of the songs are are like blues bluesy rock they're more rock and roll but uh guess i'll go away rocks i mean it's hard rock it rocks yeah, like van halen so. or or uh or foo fighters and i felt like it should for the vocal it should have rather than a a, a bluesy vocal that it should have a more modern approach and then ross said well how about taylor hawkins and oh Man, Foo Fighters. I said, yeah, that would be perfect. And I'd never met Taylor. And when he came in, what just struck and impressed me so deeply was just his enthusiasm, love, and focus. Like, I tried to engage him in a in a business discussion, but, you know, as we were getting started, and he just would not hear of it. He said, look, said, I love Johnny. I love this song. I, I, have, I feel a really personal connection with this song. I don't want anything for doing this. I just want to get out there and rock. And man, <laughs> rock. He did. Sure did. Uh, and, uh, and I just, it, it, like the, the fact that he, he like he's doing a tribute song you know uh, about uh on on this particular subject you know johnny having passed away on the road in 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 his sleep in a hotel room and then after doing this song taylor uh passes on in in just almost identical circumstances so it's, it's so similar and it's uh so ironic and strange and this whole album was like that uh it seemed to have a sense of destiny about it and uh and just things coming together uh, just a whole confluence of of unrelated things you know coming together but when i hear that song you know i just uh I'm so it saddens me that I never got to know Taylor and uh, could find a way to thank him properly as he so much deserved for for doing that song because he really did it. He really did it out of love. And, uh, you know, he just he seemed like a great guy. That's all I can say. Uh, And from every story I've ever heard, I never I, I met him once briefly in passing but every story i've ever heard has been the same about how great of a guy he was listen uh brother johnny is available of course everywhere it's an incredible (laughs) listen 
blues rock, some of the ballad. There's a song that you do on your own called Drown in My Own Tears. Um, everyone else has a guest, of course, and I, I imagine that's a very personal thing, but we are running out of time. Edgar Winter, yeah. um, Brother Johnny, again, is the, is the album. Thank you so much for this conversation. I really, really appreciate it. Well, you're most welcome. You know, uh, I want to thank Kevmo for transforming the song that I wrote for Johnny, uh, Lone Star Blues. And uh, you're right yeah. about John and my own tears. Uh, as I said, I love Ray. And Johnny did that song on his first record. And when I did it on this record, it was like I really felt like I was singing it back to him the way he sang it to me so many years ago when he was so young and vital. And I also mm -hmm. felt like I was singing it for my parents and all my bandmates. Uh, I'm the last surviving member of the Edgar Winter Group, uh, Dan Hartman, uh, Chuck Ruff, Ronnie Montrose are gone. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Jerry LaCroix, the lead singer in White Trash, and Bobby Ramirez, the drummer. I was doing that song for them. And, you know, I cried during that song, but it was such a beautiful feeling at the end of it, this just sense of of serenity and and peace and healing. And the whole album was like that for me and Good. it was very cathartic and a beautiful experience uh it's not the record johnny would have done but i think it's the record he would have wanted me to do for him and uh so i just like to thank all of our fans who followed my career throughout all of these years as well as johnny's and we love you all could never do it without you and uh, it's meant the world to us to be able to do what we most love and see you all out there rocking and having a great time. So uh, hope I'll see you out on the road with Ringo and his all-star band next summer and get ready to rock and roll. <laughs> I love it. Edgar Winter, thank you so much. Seriously, this has been a pleasure for me. Well, same here, Cutter. Uh, right. I enjoyed, I always enjoy talking to people that know a little something of, you know, musicians. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's really what it's all about. And, and you know, uh, the, the other thing about you know, this album, it's, it's uh, I, I miss groups. I miss bands, you know. Yeah. To me, I wanted to make an album that sounded like a band, not just like I hear so much music. There's a lot of great music still around, but to me, a lot of times it just sounds like guys playing parts instead of guys playing like they're in a band you know? oh there's something so, special about it it's a special feeling yeah. that just doesn't so anyway yeah. thanks again you got it take care Peace and love. all right bye-bye cutter's Rockcast. don't forget to tune in exactly with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.